Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Welcome and thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International here in Lee Summit. My name is Ryan and I'm on the ministry team and uh, I'm honored to get to host today with Pastor Christian. This Sunday was message three uh, of four in a new series entitled All In. As uh, if you've been listening, you know we're in Matthew chapter 9. We've been focusing in on verses 35 through 38. Uh, the message is titled, Tell the Town. And I want to encourage you, you can go and listen to the message. It's always very helpful. If you didn't get a chance to be here with us on Sunday, you can find it online on YouTube or our JCI website. We would love to to have you check that out. People tune in every week really to, to learn how to, to grow in their faith, how to find some practical ideas. A lot of times, Pastor Christian, you get a chance to go deeper into the message, share some things you weren't able to share on Sunday morning, and we're always uh, glad to provide that to uh, to the people that listen. Uh, Pastor Christian, each week uh, um, of this series, you've been laying out kind of the facts of Jesus' ministry at JCI, and it's kind of laid out in this format. Jesus is coming to our town. The crowds are still drawn to Jesus and need him. The crowds need shepherds. And four, the the Savior needs workers. When you first started the church in 2011, how has God worked in and molded your heart toward this reality? I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, as we I mean, as we think back ten years ago to how to how we saw this happen, I mean, I I think we would we would say and we would be theologically correct in saying, like, Jesus is in our town. I think that was the great reality I had, you know, when, when God called me in Seoul, South Korea in 2009 to plant a church in Jackson County, Missouri. And I'd been living in Overland Park for a decade after living the first 20 years of my life in Ohio. I, I didn't, re- the only thing I knew about Jackson County is this where the Chiefs and the Royal Stadiums were. I couldn't have told you that it consisted of communities like Lee Summit and Independence and Grandview and downtown Kansas City and Blue Spring. Like, I just wasn't aware that Jackson County was all of these places. I just knew, I just really felt in my spirit that God wanted us to start a church there and didn't know why. You know, I didn't do any demographic studies in the world of church planting. That is a pretty big business in itself. The world of church planting conferences, you do demographic studies, you see how many people there are compared to how many churches there are compared to how many people in a city go to a church on any given Sunday. Like I did none of that. I just felt like God impressed upon my heart. I was supposed to come to Jackson County And when we really zeroed in on Lee Summit, and we zeroed in on Lee Summit because it felt like home, it felt like us, it felt like a combination of all the places I'd lived in my life from Southern Ohio to Central Virginia to Overland Park, Kansas, like Lee Summit felt like who we were. It was intimidating because as we zeroed in on Lee Summit and started driving around, it was like, they don't need another church here. There are phenomenal churches in Lee Summit. And without Journey, Jesus is in Lee Summit, and he's doing a lot in Lee Summit. And without Journey building a new building, Jesus is doing a lot. And like Jesus was already in our town. So I think realizing right off the bat, like um, there, our community doesn't need our church unless Jesus wants us here. And unless our church might reach some people that other churches are not, or unless our church is supposed to be a stop on someone's spiritual journey. They've developed 
to the point where they're supposed to develop at another church and they're going to come grow more at ours. Or maybe they're going to get saved at ours, but then get discipled in a church with a family member who's been inviting him forever to another church. You just realize, like, this town doesn't need another church, but Jesus wants to have more of a footprint in this town, and he's calling Journey to be here. And if we would really kind of reverse the process of these four, like like we're doing as a congregation— we knew that if we were going to do anything for Jesus, we, we had to find some workers. So we started meeting with a group of five families that eventually became a hundred or so people. A lot of those people were not just workers, but they were shepherds. They cared for people spiritually. And I think any place in the world where there's a people, a group of people willing to work and willing to shepherd, I feel like the spirit of Jesus just shows up and, and begins to move. And we have seen that in our town, not because our town needed journey, um, but because Jesus Jesus wanted us to be here, and he wanted us and he and he wanted us to work, and he wanted us to care, because there are crowds in our town that did not have a church and do not have a church yet. And I think that's that's kind of the thought and the theme of this series is listen, if we are willing to be workers who care, it's a whole lot of people in our community who, who we're going to talk about in this podcast who are hurting. They're hurting for lots of different reasons that all have the same common denominator. They have a spiritual need. They need Jesus. And if we, if we will be prepared to work for and love the crowds, Jesus is going to show up. Uh, he, did 11, he did 11 years ago. He's going to now. Um, and not only in our church, but churches in our community that have started since we started. Summit Park Community Church has started a year after us. A group of workers and shepherds got together, and even though a new church had just planted right down the road a year earlier, God brought a whole bunch of more crowd that needed Jesus. And, and we believe Jesus will do that. If we are prepared to work and our hearts are ready to care, there's a whole lot of people that need Jesus, and, and we believe Jesus is going to kind of move them towards us. We've had fun partnering with some great people, and, and like you said, there's been some churches that have come and shadowed with us, and we've shadowed with others. We've yep. learned a lot, but yep. yeah. And, uh, and we, listen, some of, our, some of our greatest people, some of, some of our greatest workers and shepherds, years one through three, are now working and shepherding at other churches, and we're so grateful we get to be a part of their story. And some of our greatest workers and shepherds, uh, year seven, eight, nine, ten, we're at other churches, year one, two, three, and four, and God got them ready to come and help us. We're just grateful for how the kingdom of God works and, and to be a very open-handed part of it in this community, trying to, trying to love the crowds that need Jesus. Yeah, amen. In, in point number one, you draw our focus to the harvest, and you unpack the Greek word, uh, Greek word therismos, and uh, you make some distinctions between the crowds and the harvest. And you talk us through this amazing story in John 4, 28 through 35, the, the woman at the well. Can you, can you help our audience understand this detail you unpacked? Yeah, so Jesus looked at the crowds, and he saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. But then he told his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's interesting because in verse 36, Matthew refers to him as a crowd. In verse 37, he refers to him as a harvest. Why didn't Jesus say, the crowds are plentiful, but the workers are few? Why harvest? Well, the word harvest in Scripture, the 13 times that it's used in the New Testament, 12 of them by Jesus, one by an angel in the book of Revelation, who is harvesting, 48 times used in the Old Testament. This, this word always refers to gathering people to eternity, heaven or hell. 
And in this very specific context, Jesus is looking out in an entire community. So he's looking out at Kansas City saying, these people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. But when he changed the term to harvest, he was saying, but a lot of these people are being drawn to me. I need you to do the work with them. I think it does two things. One, I think it lets us know Jesus is the one who draws people, not us. I think it also lets us know that Jesus doesn't draw um, all people. Not all people are drawn to Jesus right now. We're going to have people in our community that every person in our church could invite them to church. We could give them a free t-shirt, free coffee mug, a free water bottle, season tickets to the Chiefs game, a boat, a truck, whatever. They ain't coming. Like, there's some people of no interest in Jesus. But Jesus says, when you look at the crowds, realized, re- realize I've already planned a harvest. There is a group of people in these crowds that I am planning to harvest for eternal life. They are being drawn to me. They already realize they need me. Now they may not know my name and they, na- they may not know me that it's, the, the, that it's what they need, but I've already begun to put in their heart a hunger and a thirst for something more. I am the answer. You are the worker that gets them to me. So when, when, when Matthew says the crowds were harassed and helpless, but Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. Jesus didn't say the crowds are plentiful. I need more workers. He said the harvest is plentiful. Jesus said, I'm already drawing people. I need you to go get those that I'm drawing and, and get them to me so that I can do the work in them that I plan to do since the beginning of eternity. So we have great comfort that Jesus is already working in the hearts of people that we don't know. And we say later in the message, we don't have to find those people. We just have to see those people. Jesus said, he, he didn't say you have to look for lost people. He said, just look at lost people and you'll see the ones that I'm drawing. And when you see them, go to work. And that's what our church is trying to do. We're trying to see hurt, looking for help, believing those people are being drawn to Jesus. And we want to go to work of connecting the final dots for them. It kind of leads into the next question. After distinguishing between the crowds and the harvest, you remind us of our people, right? You've been saying this every week. 71% of Kansas Cityans feel stressed. 62% feel anxious. 53% feel burned out. 47% feel lonely. 46% feel depressed. So a lot of hurting people. But it's interesting. 60% believe the church is equipped to care for and support their well-being. You you drive that home. But I think this sets up well your next point about the workers and what we need to do with people we encounter. You, you said, discern all brokenness as spiritual brokenness and believe Jesus is the answer. Why is it important for our people to use that lens to see people? So before I answer that question, I'm going to ask you a question that I was just thinking as you were asking these questions. 71% of Kansas City in stress, so five categories, 71% stress, 62% anxious, 53% burned out, 47% lonely, 46% depressed. How many of those five categories have you felt in the last 18 months? All of them. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like, as you were going through that list, I was thinking about which ones I feel now. All right, that was an easy question. Yeah, but, but like which, which ones, I mean... Like in the last 18 months, I have, I have felt like I feel stressed right now. I mean, in the season that we're in, a little anxiety right now, you know, by the end of every work week, you feel a little burned out and you're thankful for Sabbath. There were some incredibly lonely seasons of leadership. uh, And there were some times that your spirit was like really, really heavy. Uh, But every time you refocus on Jesus and every time I'm with spiritual community, it gets better. Mm -hmm. So this like... It's funny, I've been talking about this survey for like, for like a month. I've been talking about um, this for a month without ever realizing it's me, and it's true. 
This has been me, and the church has cared for and equipped me to move through every one of these areas. Why? Because all of these areas ultimately are spiritual. And what Jesus did with the woman at the well, he took a conversation about water. Like, so she was, she was, uh, she was broken sexually. She was broken uh, relationally. She was broken socially. She was probably broken economically. Um, she had so many things wrong in her life. And Jesus starts talking to her about water, but he knows she doesn't need water. She doesn't need a drink of water. She doesn't need a bucket of water. She doesn't really need her marriage fixed. She doesn't need friends. What she needs is the hope of the Messiah. If we fix that, then everything, everything else that she needs will follow. Like it's the Matthew 6.33. Like Jesus said, looked at all of her needs and he thought at the, like at the core of every one of these needs. She needs the Messiah. She needs the hope and the direction and the forgiveness and the peace and the purpose of the Messiah in her life. And if we can look at our friends who are stressed, anxious, burned out, lonely, and depressed, and we can say, the answer to what you're feeling is Jesus. If you can get Jesus first, everything else is going to, is going to work itself out. That, like, that's, the, that's the point of this message. Jesus went from a conversation with a woman about water that then ended up talking a little bit about racism, that then ended up talking a little bit about some spiritual things. And he kind of listened to all our conversations, and then he got down to the bot. He got down to the bottom line of like, "Hey, what like what you need is to be connected to God." If we could very slowly, cautiously, carefully, wisely, without getting defensive or offended, work our way through conversations about anything—masks, vaccination, race tension—just like Jesus did, and get through all the conversation and say, "You know what? I think the only thing that can probably fix all these things." would be a relationship with God. How about you come to church and maybe talk to my pastor about some of your questions or just see what the Bible has to say about this stuff. If we could discern all brokenness as spiritual brokenness, it gives us hope in every area because it means there's an answer in every area. And that was the brilliance of what Jesus does in John chapter four with the woman at the well. And it is the simplicity of the teaching that he gives us. At the end of the day, talk to them about their story, see the broken areas, and realize um, their primary brokenness is spiritual brokenness, and introduce them, introduce them to Jesus. It's a great lens, and I think we need reminded on a regular basis. We can go about our day and not see people that way, because on the outside, everybody looks like they have it together. Sure, and, yeah. Uh, and most people, most people don't, or even if they have some things together, just like you and I just shared, we're, we've dealt with some of these things. Of course. You then talk about inviting people to come and see and bringing people to Jesus. Can you can you remind our people of ways they can engage and invite people to connect with Jesus? Because I know some people struggle with knowing how to engage their neighbors so they can have so they can have impact. Yeah. So first, you want to you want to take advantage of opportunities that other people may be thinking of or open to. Christmas is always a tremendous opportunity to invite people to church. They did a recent survey several years ago of, of uh, unchurched people, and they found out that like 80% of them wanted to go to some type of religious service over the Christmas holiday because everyone else did it, but they didn't know where to go or who to sit with. Like 80% of people who don't go to church want to go to church on Christmas. They just need someone to ask them. So I think 
knowing that we can take advantage of opportunities like that. And half the reason is because they want to post on social media in their church clothes that they <laughs> that they went to a service because that's what everyone else wants to do. Yeah. Whatever, use it, like leverage that. Um, we're getting ready to open a brand new building that most people in our city who live on the south side of our city are aware of. Um, hey, I don't, yeah, I don't know if you've been watching people, uh, you know, watching us build our church. Like, that's where I go to church. Why don't you come see the inside of it? It's beautiful. Like, there are some easy opportunities like that that we can leverage. But it's interesting you ask this question today, because tomorrow uh, I will re-record step one of our, of our growth track, kind of discipleship, the top of our discipleship funnel. And we talk about how to engage people who don't know Jesus and, and have impact on them spiritually. And we've taught for years what's just called a simple BLESS method, where the word BLESS is just an acronym where every letter counts for something. Begin to pray for someone, um, listen to their story, learn a little bit about them, uh, eat, eat, a, is it, yeah, eat a meal with them. Um, so grab coffee or have a meal with them. Serve them. Um, yeah, the first S is serve them. Do, like do something that shows that you care about them and then share your story spiritually. And at the end of that, say, hey, like, come check out how I live my spiritual life. So we think one of the ways we can bless people, like, don't just run up someone you've never met before. I mean, you, you can at Christmas and grand opening, because there might be some people in the community that want to be a part of that. But if you really want to impact somebody spiritually, begin to pray for somebody, uh, listen to the story, learn, just learn a little bit about them, eat a meal with them, share a meal together, serve them in some way, care enough about them to help them, and then, sh- and then share why Jesus is important to you. Uh, I talk about, like, if you could picture a courtroom, uh, Christians are not called to be the jury that condemns or acquits. We're just called to be the witness. What we have seen and experienced in our relationship with Jesus. Like, we're, we're called witnesses, not juries. Just, just tell people. Your firsthand experience with Jesus, just tell people your firsthand experience with Jesus. And that can have tremendous impact on them, especially if you do it at the end of those where they know you care about them as a person, not just a soul. I think if we all got honest, we, we too often try to sit in the jury seat. Oh, man, and, yes. And determine ahead of yes. time whether someone, yes, it's hard to say, is worth sharing be, with Jesus with because we just, we've just we already made the no, oh, they probably aren't interested. Yeah, we, we try to discern whether, we try to discern whether or not they're being drawn before we invite them. And that's and, God's job. And had the disciples done that in John chapter 4, I mean, when they got back, they already discerned, you shouldn't be talking to her. And what I found so interesting in the story that I pointed out, the disciples went into town to get food and came back with food. The woman at the well went into the town to get people mm-hmm. and came back with people. Yeah, that was a the great The disciples time. went into the exact same town, saw the exact same people, and didn't think to invite any of them. Hey, them. I don't know if you know this, but the Messiah is hanging out at the well outside of town. Anybody interested? That's all the woman said. Yeah. It was probably think, the opposite of that based yeah, on how they felt. Yeah, I think yeah. the all the women said was like, I think I may have met a guy who's the Messiah. You want to come check it out? And those who were being drawn were like, yes. Too often, we go into the town to get food, not people. And we just don't even wonder whether or not any of them are looking for the Messiah. Give them a chance to say yes or no. Yep. Great qu- quote that I think is important as we move forward as a people, as a church. It's a quote from Charles Spurgeon. This is a culture-setting quote for sure. Yes. That, yeah, that really defines the heart of a church. Phenomenal. It does. Here it is. It says, churches that do not care for outsiders quickly suffer from disunity and strife. What unites a church completely is the calling out of 
all of its forces for accomplishing the Redeemer's grand objective. The passion for saving souls not only employs, but also draws forth the strength of the church. It awakens the church's energies and arouses its noblest abilities. Soul winning keeps the heart lively and preserves our warm youth in Christ. Man, what a powerful uh, a quote from Spurgeon. Any, any thoughts, any exclamation point you'd like to add to that? I just, I, you know, the first line is so powerful. Any pastor in any church in the world, churches that don't care for outsiders quickly suffer from disunity and strife. And they usually die. Yeah, because all we think about is ourself, and is it too hot or is it too cold? In journey, too cold. Um, is it too loud or is it too soft? At journey, too loud. Um, are the services too short or too long? Probably half and half, you know, depending on how long I preach from sometime. Like, when you just begin to talk about personal preference rather than the Savior's mission, there's a like there's just a hundred different opinions, but there is one Savior and one mission. Go tell the world who Jesus is. And if we can decide to get on the big page together, we just don't have time for a lot of the other stuff. Because when you invite someone who accepts Jesus, the joy in your heart that day, like you don't go home thinking about the music, the temperature, the teaching, the small group you used to be in, whether you sat in the front and back. Like the Sunday you bring a friend that gives their life to Jesus. All the noise kind of fades to the background. The cross comes to the forefront, and it just unifies you on this great mission of Jesus, which has been going for 2,000 years. The disciples, when they started talking internally, constantly bickering over who would be in charge when Jesus left. When they focused externally, they changed the world. The Apostle Paul and all the churches he had to write to in the New Testament epistles, when it was focused on internal stuff, he was always dealing with strife. But when they got focused externally, they changed the world. The testimony of the church from those that didn't go to the church was they've, they've turned our town upside down. If we focus internally, there's a thousand and one things to fix. If we focus externally, there's one Savior, one mission, one objective. And what Spurgeon is saying is, man, if you stay on mission, uh, a lot of the stuff you shouldn't be talking about that you always talk about, you never even get to talk about because you're too busy celebrating what Jesus is doing. We want to be a church that stays on mission. I love what he says. Soul winning keeps the heart lively and preserves the warm youth in Christ. It just makes you feel young spiritually. Um, man, that, that's, what I, that's what I love, feeling young and fresh and alive spiritually. Helping people find Jesus helps us do that. Yeah, and, and I think we always need reminders on a regular basis so that our, our church has that same mentality and culture. The fourth track is we always kind of conclude our podcast, the leadership track, where we, again, hope to help people uh, share what they've learned with somebody else, uh, really the take home. So what, what from this message would you want our audience to share with someone? I think it's the fact that Jesus is drawing people. Jesus is already drawing people. And Scripture says, Jesus actually said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So there's an element there's an element in life where all people are being drawn to Jesus. Some will say yes, some will say no, but there's this thought that Jesus has offered salvation to all. I think if we believed every person we know is somehow on a journey to be before Jesus where they will accept or reject him. And our job is just to move the chain along. I think we could be confident even when we fail in our soul winning, our inviting, and our bringing efforts. 
Because the reality is this, the friend that you invite at Christmas who says yes to Jesus might say yes to you because the last 10 years somebody's been inviting them and they've been saying no to them. And last year they died of COVID. And they've thought, in order to honor my friend, the next person that invites me, I say yes to. See, every no that you have is a step forward spiritually for somebody else because it plants a seed that someone cares about my soul. Jesus said in this text, rejoice because you've not had to do the hard work, yet you're going to get to reap all the benefits. Like there have been, like I said, Jesus is already in our town. There are churches in our town who have been tilling the soil in the lives of great-grandparents and grandparents, of lost moms and dads, who great-grandma and grandpa for the last 60 years have been building this foundation spiritually, which their grown adult children have not stepped onto or into yet. But every, everything they've been doing in their life is getting them closer. And as they've been driving by this church, they're just, they're, they're just thinking of the spiritual seeds that have been planting in their past, planted in their past thinking um, like, hey, I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go there. I'm going to think about doing that. So I think if we think about Jesus drawing people, every invitation that we give that somebody's like, heck no, I don't want to do that. You've, you've helped them take one more step towards having an encounter with Jesus. They may say no to him, but you have helped them take one more step. There is no failure in, in inviting people or talking to people about Jesus. We might feel like failures, and, and we might feel rejected. But I promise all of that is a part of someone's spiritual story that God is working behind the scenes. And if we could realize Jesus is drawing people, and he just wants us to work, just work. Just work in the harvest. Um, you, don't, you know, you can plant it. You can't make it grow, but you can plant it and you can harvest it. Let me do the rest of the work. Plant or harvest, plant or harvest. I think if we could say everything in our life that we do is either planting or harvesting. You say, I posted something on Facebook and not one of my 789 Facebook friends said yes. That's okay. You planted a seed. Like you want, you win. You, you did a positive thing spiritually. If we could believe Jesus was drawing all people to himself, I think we'd have much more freedom to plant without maybe expecting ever to harvest in our lifetime, but knowing that planting is good enough. One of my favorite memories is just kind of what you're talking about. Years ago, I sent something out to a bunch of friends and a bunch of my fraternity brothers from from K-State, and uh, one of them had happened to hit his heart at a time where God was drawing him. He ended up coming to church and getting saved a short time later, and now every year on his spiritual birthday, he texts me and thanks me for reaching out to him. So now most of the people didn't respond, have not still. But but God was drawing him. Yes, He was already drawing him, and he just needed he just needed you to to bait the hook. Yeah, yeah. It's been, and we've had a lot of great memories in Christ since then. Uh, Pastor Christian, thank you for uh, again sharing. It's always great to have you uh, uh, share wisdom and, and insight into your message and into uh, strengthening our Christian walk. We want to thank you for listening to the podcast today. If uh, someone sent this to you and it's your first time, welcome. We're glad you're here on the Activate Podcast. If you uh, want to rate us, that always helps. We would love to have you do that. Uh, our hope and goal is to uh, activate your faith and, and grow you in Christ. If you're here in the Kansas City area, come and check out one of our services. They will be changing in December 19th as we move into our building. Um, but as of now, come and join us 8, 9, 30, or 11. We'd love to see you. Uh, if we can encourage you, uh, if we can answer a question, email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. 
Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.